You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Hey, everybody. It's time for American Winer on Wednesday evening, podcastdetroit.com. How's everybody doing? My name is Alex. Here we are on the air. It's finally spring here in Michigan, sort of. Um, I suppose we're, I think it's going to get colder again next week, but it, we got 60 degrees today. It finally hit 60 degrees and, uh, it was very, um, it was very enlightening and, and, and I feel healthier now just from being out in that heat, uh, even if it was just for a couple hours. So anyway, um, my guest tonight is a very good friend of mine, a person I've known for, um, very long time. Uh, and, uh, uh, her name is Morgan Svoboda. She's joining us uh, via Skype. Morgan, how are you? Oh, hey, how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm good. good. Um, thanks yeah. for thanks for joining us. We met uh, 14 years ago, and you brought this up on the phone yesterday. Our friendship has outlasted the company that we met at. Uh, it was at uh, <laughs> yeah. It was at uh, Toys R Us, and uh, I was. I think we were both cashiers, weren't we? Yeah, we both started off as cashiers, and then um, they had slid me over to selling video games, um, as well as wearing the the draft costume, uh, which was awful. Oh, they made you do that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't remember the draft fun. costume. Huh? Yeah. Oh, well, we had this draft costume, and like you put it on, and the fan didn't work, so it was really hot, and. <laughs> had no peripheral vision because there was just like a small hole in the neck that you were looking out of like it was rough um but i did it uh for seven out dollars and 25 cents an hour you know (laughs) that is crazy that's how much it was worth yeah yeah well i was 18 it was a summer after i graduated from high school for me i was 18 you were 19 And, uh, and then, and it was, I was only there for like, I mean, I mean, it was only, I think I quit that December or November or sometime that fall. And, um, I was totally done with it by the time I was, I was, uh, I was by the time it was over. And, um, but then we kept in touch. We, uh, we, you know, we, I think I saw you again that next year later. And then just every couple of years we would, we would, if you were in town, cause you were traveling a lot. And um, this yeah. is the longest gap that we've had. I think I hadn't seen you before talking to you. Now I hadn't talked to you since um, since 2012. So yeah, yeah, it's been a while. I've I've been traveling a little bit. Um, I lived in Colorado and like North Dakota and Nevada and other places. So yeah, every I, time I talk to you, I it seemed like you're in a new place. Yeah, um, I play a lot of games where I put stipulations that the loser must leave, um, and then I lose those, so <laughs> then I have to move, uh, or else my word is no good, so, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, your, your reputation is soured no by the fact yeah. that, like, didn't you say you'd leave if you lost, and here you are. <laughs> exactly, exactly, you gotta hold, you gotta hold fast to those tips, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, um, why don't you tell us about yourself, though? Uh, we'll start this off by just like telling us about like where you grew up and, and your childhood and your schooling and all that kind of stuff, and we'll 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 get into you. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I grew up in southwestern Michigan. So, like, when we met, that was over in the lovely suburbs of Detroit, um, where I was living at the time. Yes. I grew up across state, uh, not far from the lake. Uh, just, uh, like, exit 12 off of I-94 um, in a town called Neutroy, which was a very small town. Um, did not have even like a stoplight or an elementary school or anything of that nature. It was just a collection of farmhouses and then some people that uh, lived there because I guess it was cheap. Um, So yeah, I I moved when I was 18 because I wanted to see the experience of the big city. Um, So I moved to the Detroit area. Um, after that, I went to college um, back at uh, Western in uh, Kalamazoo, and upon graduating, then uh, decided to venture the United States. That's right, and you got a degree. I want to say was it in geology, or you? I remember you talking to me. You were going to study that. I don't know if you ended up getting your degree oh, in it. No, geography. Geography. That's why. Uh, yeah. Yeah. See, that's how long it's been. Yeah. Geology would be useful. Yeah. <laughs> geography um (laughs) specifically natural resource management and i have done work in natural resource management but i'm not currently doing work in natural resource management so i think we can write that off as not necessarily being the best choice of degrees as far as practicality goes but i do love the environment and so i went with my heart instead of what was going to get me a job in most markets Right. Well, and I remember after you graduated, because I went and visited you at Western once, and we went and saw, with yeah. a b- bunch of friends of yours, we went and saw Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, oh, yeah. Rem- that, that Robert Downey Jr. movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shane Black directed yeah. it. Um, but um, yeah. we, uh, uh, I remember, like, after that, you had moved back to Detroit, and it took you, like, a while. You, you just weren't finding anything, any work in Michigan. I remember you moved down to Texas after right. that, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 I was working at a gas station doing over, I was working at a Speedway in Livonia. Shout out to Speedway Livonia, I guess. Um, <laughs> uh, doing overnights on the graveyard. And yeah, it was just something where I was like, look, I just spent a lot of money on this degree. Detroit is not doing great right now. And the metro area is suffering. Um, and my grandpa was like, well, if you're just going to look for work, just come down to Texas. So I was like, all right. And so I did. And, and where in Texas did but, you go? Oh, I lived in uh, San Antonio uh-huh. for a short time. And then I got into working in the national parks. And that's when I really started traveling because I started doing some internships. Um, and then I got hired in in the Dakotas over at Theodore Roosevelt National Park. And then I worked for a time in Denver um, at the Rocky Mountain Arsenal Wildlife Refuge. And then I worked for um, Lake Mead uh, over in Nevada. And then I moved back to Denver and was just working at city parks. And then Denver got really pricey, so I moved back to Michigan for a summer and then bounce back into Chicago where I currently am right now. Huh. And what are you doing now? 
for for uh, work? Oh, um, I, well, I work uh, selling native plants. I, I'm working at a nursery that specializes in that. So, I mean, it's plant related, but it's not really natural resource management related. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I moonlight as a comedian on the side. Um, I have not made a lot of money off of that though, so <laughs> not really. Yeah. Not really a career. It's more of a, a hobby where I get up and sometimes people laugh at me. Sometimes <laughs> they do not. Yeah, I. It, it seems like uh, if you. It seems like if you enjoy doing it and you don't get paid for it, it's 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 a hobby, and those are the hardest yeah. things to turn into a career. Right, and I don't even know if I would want that. Like, I kind of enjoy, you know, I kind of enjoy not being able to pay bills and all of that <laughs> stuff. So, yeah, I mean, as do silly. It would be silly to to want more. That's like the most millennial thing to say. I don't enjoy paying bills particularly. Anyway, right? Right. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, when you were... I enjoy having things like retirement. Yeah. <laughs> and future security and, and things like that. Right. Um, A five-year plan. Yeah. Uh, when you... So when you were... You know, I mean, that was a good... I mean, that was a, a, a decade, the better part of a decade when you were out, you know, all over the Western United States and the Dakotas and, and Colorado and Nevada and all that stuff. You, you were doing natural resource management. Why don't you talk about it more specifically like, like what your day-to-day was on all of those jobs oh, yeah. and kind of give us an idea of what, what yeah. went on there? I mean, it really depended on who I was working for, but um, a lot of what I did was invasive species removal. So a lot of spraying weeds with pesticides and then hoping there was not long-term effects from doing that re- repeatedly day after day. Yeah. Um, there was there was some chainsaw work. Uh, sometimes I would get to like lead a group of volunteers and we would just pick like grass seeds all day. And so I always was just like, are you sure we're getting paid to do this? Because <laughs> this doesn't seem like something that is necessary, but the check's cleared. And it was pretty great. Um, so it was a lot of that. Um, I traveled a lot, specifically um, throughout the desert, uh, United States. Uh, there was a stretch where I was on the road like 36 weeks out of a year. Wow. And it was it would have been more except for the way that we scheduled it was that we would be on, you know, at the site for eight days and then have six days off. So we were only working like every other week. Sometimes we would work back to back weeks and that's why it was like 36 instead of 26. But yeah, it was just a lot, a lot of travel, a lot of time spent in like tents, sleeping in national parks, sometimes getting like a FEMA trailer, but not, that wasn't typical. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was beautiful. Did not, you know, did not necessarily meet all the needs, you know, financially that I had, but like, it was definitely an experience I wouldn't trade. It's just also not an experience I'm necessarily going to go back to. Yeah. So. Well, well, I was going to say, you know, it wasn't bad. You know, you said geography. It wasn't uh, the most practical degree or whatever. And, and the thing is like what I was going to say about that, I remember when you told me about it, I thought, you know, it's it's not the first thing that you think of, but it's it's like obscure enough that like you there's got to be work in it. You know what I mean? Because not well, there's no way that a lot of people are picking it. Yeah, there's work in geographic information systems, but you have to be 
good at geographic information systems. Uh, and you never caught on to that. I don't even know what they are. So <laughs> I, um, it's it's basically like making maps on a computer. Oh, of course. And I can do it. I'm just not great at it. Um, I have I'm better at it now after having a lot of experience. But when I was going through college, that was my original major, and it got to a point where I like was having trouble with the classes. So then I switched, and I was like, well, "What can get me out of here in like six months?" And the guy's like, "Have you tried natural resource management?" And I was like, "I haven't, but I don't want to be here much longer than this." <laughs> so like, that's kind of what we went with, you know those decisions you make at 22 when you're just like well i don't want to do this anymore yeah and then you realize like fuck i could have actually made a better choice uh, well it's it's you're right but it's like like i remember doing the same thing because i had originally gone for cre- creative writing and I, about a semester mm-hmm. in i was like this is not gonna like work like there's nothing what am i gonna do with this and i was like i've already spent all this money so I might as because I'd I'd been going for three years at that point. It was my first semester at Eastern, but uh, I was like, you know, I got to pick something and just finish this out so I can just get the damn degree and then go my way, you know. And so I ended up picking uh, what my dad did, uh, which was electronic media and film, and uh, and then that ended up really. I'm not I'm not working in that either. So it's. Uh, <laughs> You know that was just, it's just you're right. It was just kind of a hey, I'm going to take what I can get right now just to just to finish this out and then try my luck. And then we both graduated right as the economy was crumbling, so that was like the best possible yeah. uh, situation there too. Yeah, we both graduated at a time when the economy was crumbling in the state that was possibly the worst hit out of every one of them. Yeah. So, like the timing was absolutely perfect to have a college degree at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was literally like the the worst time in, in generations since the last, the, the the worst, the the next worst time that the, the above the time that when that happened for us was, was the worst time that it's ever happened. It was the worst depression that the country has had. So, I mean, if there are people that lived through the great depression, they can talk, they can talk at us and feel like you had, you didn't have it tough, but everybody else after that, like maybe take a step back. Like, yeah, yeah. Slow your roll. <laughs> we, yeah, exactly. Um, those breaks a little bit. Um, but yeah, I remember the unemployment in Detroit at the time I graduated was like 25%. And I was like, ah, oh, geez. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, and it's another thing is like, you don't realize really the the implications of that when you're that young either. Like you just, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was going to mean that I would go. I mean, you know, you were working at a gas station. I went back to the job I had when I was in college, which I was fine with because I loved that job, but, um, it was never, I was never going to be able to make a living at it. And, uh, and yeah, it's just, but I remember when you, you moved to Texas uh, you said you had more job interviews in the first week down there than you had, you'd had in the, like the entire year and a half or whatever it was that you'd stayed in Michigan. Yeah. Yeah. Michigan was, Michigan was bad. It was just, I mean, it wasn't the place I ever necessarily really wanted to spend the rest of my life, but like the economy was sent me a clear message that I also shouldn't try to spend the rest of my life yeah. there necessarily. Yeah. Um, it's so like in case you were I mean, thinking, <laughs> Yeah, especially with, I mean, the degree that I have, it does better in certain markets than others based off of, like, 
presence of government funding, um, history of like conservation, things like that, um, public-private partnerships, uh, places that are a little bit more environmentally like forward, like the Northwest or really just the Western United States in general. Whereas Michigan, it just there's not as much like there's not as much natural resource interest or work or anything, mm-hmm. which is always disappointing because the state is always just like, come see how great our, you know, our lakes are and how beautiful our forests are. And I'm like, y'all don't know, but you have a bunch of invasive trees here that like you should just cut down, but you don't want to pay for it. So that's something cool. that you I, I didn't know. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. Um, whenever I go visit my dad and drive around, I'm always just like, there's so much of this tree called uh, Tree of Heaven, which sounds lovely. <laughs> and I mean, it's not the ugliest tree in the world, but it's also very invasive and it's disruptive to the habitat. You know, it just kind of like completely takes over if left undone after, you know, five to 10 years. Your forests will be mostly tree of heaven and a lot less of the other stuff that you actually want. But there's just the funding and the, you know, conservation um, sort of like culture just isn't there in the state. Yeah, they don't want to pay for a lot of stuff here. And, and uh, you know, you mentioned <laughs> like, like, uh, they, the whole pure Michigan campaign and all that. And it, it, what sucks is it actually, I do like living here. If you can find something to do, if you can find a way to make a living, it's, 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 a, it's cheap to live here. It, it's nice. It, it, there, you are surrounded by fresh water. I, that's one of the reasons I'm not leaving because the inevitable water crisis, I want to be surrounded by all the largest freshwater reserves. One of the largest freshwater reserves in the world, you know? Um, so that's true. I mean, that's a very good point. Michigan. What? But I gotta, I gotta ask though. Like, what? Now that you brought it up, like, what other sort of environmental peccadillos does Michigan have? Like, you mentioned the tree of heaven uh, issue. Like, is there anything else that uh, you might, not, I might not know about, or people might not know about? Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, just speaking from a ecological standpoint, you look at just the the water crisis that has happened with Flint. Oh and yeah, like how that could with some foresight and maybe just spending money or whatever that could have been avoided. Like the whole scenario could have been avoided or like just the legacy of industrial sites around Detroit that, you know, have just been abandoned. Like I'm sure that ground has a lot of contaminants in it that um, just were left by the previous the previous, you know, tenants or whatever without any sort of cleanup and then, you know, are just there. Mm-hmm. They get forgotten like, about because nobody knows about yeah. them. And, um, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff. Well, the thing is, is like, and you brought up Flint, like that was what I was referencing when I said they don't want to pay for a, a lot of stuff. And because the whole point with that was, well, we want to save money. So we're going to take it from this other, I think it was the, the Flint River or something. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever it was. And, and it's like, if you don't, you either, you're going to spend the money somewhere. You know, you either spend it up front with and get it right, or you spend it fixing everything, and then also you've ruined a bunch of people's lives. So, you know, you might as well just spend the money up front. And that, and also that, when you bring that up, that really kills my whole freshwater, uh, you know, um, uh, argument or whatever. Because it's like, well, yeah, there's freshwater here, but it's all polluted. So, <laughs> you know, so much for that. Well, but. I mean, 
there is a lot of good fresh water. Like we're getting water out of Lake Huron before or like Lake Michigan is what Chicago gets a lot of their water from. And I used to have a roommate that worked for uh, the Chicago water department and would always be like, this is some of the best water in the world. And they're like, cool, Russ. Awesome. <laughs> um, shout out to Russ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good water. It's just, you know, with these industrial towns, like if you're getting it from like the river sources, there is a history of pollution. And if you're not doing things to clean it up, like that is probably going to find its way into the water supply. I, mean, I remember being in college and the Kalamazoo River, like you couldn't fish out of that because they had uh, leftover waste from when the paper factories were there. And the paper factories had been gone for like 20 years at that point. Wow. Yeah, so it was just like there is, you know, some work that needs to be done. Like it sucks to pay for it, but like, would you rather spend the money or possibly have lead in your water? Like, well, they'll they'll have to think about that. They'll be like, I could just sit here asking that question, be like, hmm, well, whose water? Whose water is it? You know, (laughs) it depends on whose water it is. But um, well, I mean, Rick Rick Sander's not drinking that water, so yeah, he probably doesn't care. Yeah, he said he was going to drink bottled water from Flint, and he even flaked out on that because he had to go to Europe or something. But anyway, uh, <laughs> h- how do you like Chicago? Um, it's okay. I don't know how long I'm going to stay here. I do get, like, happy feet and nostalgia for packing everything up and starting over again. Um, I also just miss, like, mountains, uh, and I'm not that big a fan of winter, so, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's uh, that's harsh. But also, Chicago's got its own things. Like, there's uh, problems with like development and developers, and the legacy of like redlining and gentrification and gun violence in certain areas, and you know, schools being closed down. And that Illinois is broke. Like, it's got its own stuff to deal with. For sure. Well, I want to talk about because you you do you mentioned you do stand up, but you also do improv. And one of the things in Chicago that you've done is you were at Second City. You did some work at Second City, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steering away from politics and back yeah. into fun stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's why I brought up Chicago. I was I was steering into that. I don't know if you, I don't know if you picked oh, up on that, but that was the. <laughs> I was like, I was like, let me just. Still, all the things I don't like about the city right now. <laughs> I care way too much about sports. I'm like, Continue gosh, uh, um, it sounds like Detroit. Like, <laughs> it sounds way more because when I go to Chicago, I'm like, God, it's so clean. You know, it's so. It seems like it's so well managed, but I mean, I guess every place has their well, has their shit, right? Detroit, Detroit will get there. Like they'll rebuild the downtown, and tourists will come and be like, "Wow, Detroit, it's perfect here." And then you'll go venture out, and they'll be like, "Oh." these neighborhoods haven't had any sort of development at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, and they actually are. It's like the downtown area is way better now. It's, it's pretty much, I mean, within the last, I mean, five, six years, basically this decades, they've been slowly making it better, but there's still this outer ring of desolation that, that, that that's happened. Um, and that really is, right. in fact, the, they just reelected the mayor last fall. And that was one of the main issues is like, yeah, the downtown area is doing really well, but what about the neighborhoods? So, so yeah, yeah. but anyway, uh, uh, second city, why don't we, why don't we talk about that? Yeah. 
Okay, Second City. Uh, yeah, I've, I've only had one show there right now. Um, I have a few coming up. Um, we can we can plug them uh, whenever. Like, I could do it now, even. Um, I have some prop shows coming up uh, May 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th at Second City. Uh, if you're listening from the Chicago area and you want to see a pretty much complete stranger try to be <laughs> funny with a group of probably other complete strangers, it will be a good time. Um, but I liked it. Uh, it was different than it's a lot more like sanitized or corporate or however you want to put it. Um, as far as that goes compared to some of the other theaters that I've done, uh, in Providence around the city, like it's not my favorite, but it was cool because you go in there and you see like all of the famous faces on the wall and you're like, Oh yeah, all these people were here too. Um, they, also probably badgered their friends to coming to shows before people knew who they were, just like what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. Um, well, what does the, can, a little much though. Well, could you talk about like, what exactly does the, I mean, cause if you don't, you don't just do it at second city. So don't you just kind of talk about improv in general and like why you like it and like what exactly oh, it is? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like it because I like being a part of a group and fostering like connections between people. Like I've done stand up and I like stand up a little bit, but uh it's a little lonely on stage and I'm not necessarily the most confident person. So sometimes when just all eyes are on me, I'm like, crap, I got nothing. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a long five minutes. Um uh, I apologize in advance. This is I'm just going to ramble like this uh, at you incessantly. Uh, whereas improv, I can like, at some point I was you talking were... about building like stuff together. And that's what I liked about improv and going forward and, you know, being there with other artsy people that aren't doing well, it's Tuesday a... live or. It sounds like you're busy. I mean, you got three different shows coming up in May, so that's, uh, I mean, that's yeah. that's way more. I mean, because you said you'd only done one at Second City before then. It's funny because we were talking yeah. yesterday, um, and you said that, like, people hear Second City, and they're like, oh, Steve Carell went there, and Chris Farley, and oh, you must be on your way to SNL. And you're like, actually, it's just really, you know, it, it's it's just another school, basically. You know, like, so many people come through the doors, and yeah. it's just like anything else. So the odds of you making they, it are pretty stacked. Yeah, most places here uh they they stay in business by selling the dream um instead of ticket sales. Like they Oh yeah. do a lot of money from the schools where um I sat in classes at IO, which is the second biggest improv theater here. Um is and they the teacher after the first day was like, This is the the quickest path to staring at life. Like continue spending essentially like continue spending money here and we'll possibly very maybe if you're one of like a lucky five or six you'll get an audition in front of like some of the scouts but there's like hundreds of people so the odds are really low but you you know the odds are always low right like for that kind <laughs> yeah. of thing it's the that type yeah, of level so like, is it's never going to be easy and it really i mean i guess it's it shouldn't yeah. be right Right. I mean, yeah, there's like, there's definitely people that you look and you're like, okay, they're like a Saturday Night Live type of comic or, you know, somebody that just fits the aesthetic of the show. 
so much. Yeah, that those are sort of like the people that kind of come through and matriculate up. And then there's just other people that, you know, their style is a little bit different or they're going to be more of like an alt comic or play well with different crowds. Have you worked with anybody yeah. at those workshops where you're you're like, wow, this person actually could – I could see them going on. Like the, and the entire class is like, yeah, that, that person is really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely worked with some very talented people um, coming up through classes. Uh, nobody that's that advanced yet. Like it takes, it takes time to build you know, a resume and get shots at like the bigger showcases and stuff like you. You got to pay your dues before you pay the rent, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, for sure. Like, it, like I came up through the annoyance classes and I'd say like half the cast were people where I was just like, these people are so good and they make me look really good. So I like <laughs> them even more because <laughs> um, by association, I look like I'm a genius and uh-huh. then... I'm like, okay, at best. <laughs> yeah, right. That's 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 the best when somebody does all the work for you and you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I planned that. That was uh, – I was totally aware right. that that when, was going to happen. When, when they take my idea that's maybe questionable as a plot or a character or whatever and they're like, I got you. And then they offer something and you're just like, holy shit, that's amazing. I mean, we have to keep doing this scene because this is going to be really good, but – if I could just take a time out, I want to tell you how great that is. And thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. It, I've been lucky um, in that case. Uh, so it's cool. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, some of the people I've encountered, you know, I do see on TV in like five years or so. Mm-hmm. Can you think of an example of like when, like you said, like you had a sketch idea or something and they were, and you were like, this isn't great, but, and then they took it and it, and it ended up working really well. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there was one, I was on stage at the annoyance and it was, we kind of, we were doing a relationship scene. It was me and this guy and we had kind of started off doing bad improv. Like we weren't, you know, naming names. We weren't interacting with the environment or anything like that. We were being very vague with the details. And like he, you know, started turning it into a game of just like calling, like sort of having like a meta commentary inside the scene that was like, you know, we're better than this. (laughs) Like this isn't working out. Like talking, you know, contextually about our relationship, but also talking, you know, making comments about the scene not being very great. And it was just, it was gold. And yeah, it was, it was great. Um, Because otherwise it could have died a horrible, horrible death. And it probably would have had like a chair thrown at us. Oh no. And banned from the city. No, I'm just kidding. Nobody does that. Nobody cares. (laughs) I was going (laughs) to say. Like, yeah, <laughs> nobody's throwing chairs. I, I hope. Um, that's how. That's like a chair. common thing. It's like if you get a chair thrown at you, that means that you're really, you're really bombing. You know, whereas if it's just you know somebody <laughs> yeah. throws a pen or a or a you know a small food item well, at you or a cup, then you know you, you're that's no, a warning. Nobody brings vegetables to shows to just like throw out the performers if they're bad anymore. So Yeah, I'm not sure that I they mean, ever did. I don't know if that was ever a thing to begin with. I think somebody might have just made that up and it just kind of made sense so the movies went with it and 
I really hope that's the case where it never happened and someone just made that up and they just watched as this like idea spread throughout time and they're like, I thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's like their defining moment in life. You yeah. Know, telling their friends, they're so, like, look, I only wrote on like two movies, but one of them had a scene where vegetables were thrown at the performers as they were doing bad. And then that became a standard. Yeah. So, Next thing I knew, everyone yeah. was doing that. All the movies were doing it. It was a meme. Yeah. That's what it is. It was a meme. There we go. It was. It was. If the internet existed back then, it would have been run into the ground a lot faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been vaudeville's first like meme. Cause that's, yeah. I think that's when it came up was vaudeville. I remember With vaudeville. specifically. Yeah. Yes. Cause I was around during those days, you know, as we all know, vaudeville is my mm-hmm. uh is what i'm known for so anyway they want to talk about something that's going into the fucking ground there that joke did not take off but uh <laughs> anyway <laughs> it was good it was good i mean we, we do call you vaudeville yeah so, i mean your close friends all of them like oh vaudeville over there yep yep that's him berg vaudeville berg yep <laughs> I probably couldn't even, I don't even know like what vaudeville means. Like I couldn't, I don't even know if I could spell it to be honest with you, let alone oh, I can lecture spell it. on it. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if people are tuning in for the premium spelling content, but it's V-A-U-D-E-V-I-L-L-E. Oh, there we go. Vaudeville. All right. All right. Bomb. All okay. Right. So. Well, um, we're actually, uh, we're coming up on about the, this is normally the time where I, I'd ask about, uh, what you want to whine about. So is there anything, Morgan, that you want to whine about? You got any whining oh, topics? Yeah. yeah, we, we have a lot more to unpack possibly, but like time constraints. Um, I just want to say, um, this didn't come up and it's been really nice, but I am trans Yeah, there yeah. and I just. I, I want to whine about non-trans people, um, okay. specifically the the um, cultural ideas that are put forth by the left and the right. Like, we're not brave people, we're not monsters, we're just people that have a thing, you know? <laughs> Well, uh, th- let's we can talk about this then. Let's because I did have questions for you, so let, yeah. we'll, we'll incorporate this yeah. into the into the whining. Um, so when, when did okay. you? I, I think I guess the first question that I could 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 ask you is, I mean, when did you first know that transgender people existed, and then when did you realize I you were trans? Oh, um, I realized I knew from uh, probably the mid nineties. I mean, that's not what people. That's not the language people used back then, but I was aware of it. Um, growing up, I had access to TV, and I saw the first trans people on, like, Jerry Springer, and I remember hearing a woman talk about, like, the process and just being like, well, that makes sense, and, like, <laughs> kind of pausing afterwards and kind of thinking, like, oh, no. Oh, no. Um <laughs> It definitely was not like a prideful, like, I'm coming into my own because uh, it took me a lot longer to actually act on that. But I knew, I knew then. Really? So it was about, you were about 10 then. So that's usually, I mean, that's, that's right around the same time that everybody, oh, how old were you? I was like 15. Oh, 15. Okay. Cause you said mid nineties. So, but, um, yeah, well, so I guess like late nineties. 
because you waited if you were 15 and you realized that then like i mean that was that's this, that's the age that people realize their their sexuality pretty much in general right you know so that makes a lot of sense yeah. but uh and and by the way if i, I i'm I'm, i may ask some questions that sound ignorant from your standpoint but i'm i'm only trying to the only way we're going to understand you know i want to understand this and 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 i feel like the only way to do that sometimes is to sound ignorant i mean in order to not become ignorant you have to sometimes admit your ignorance i think um, oh yeah, but, yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Keep asking questions. It's, it's fine. Well, um, so you didn't start your transition until a couple of years ago, right? So you waited a long time between fifteen. I mean, yeah. you, you would have been in your late twenties at least before you yeah, made a I move was on that. 30. So, wow, yeah, I was Th- yeah. thirty when I acted. Basically, what I tried was literally everything else first before like attacking this head on. You know, I tried religion and alcohol and drugs and marriage and moving around the country and, you know, trying to get really fit and all of these things that I was like, okay, if I just do these things, I won't think about this anymore. I won't deal with it. And to a fault, every time after I tried something, it would be cool for about three weeks and then I would return to like the same place. And I feel like, well, fuck, what am I going to do now? <laughs> like, tried this and it was not great. Um, like, I tried, like, not only did I try marry, marriage, I tried, like, you know, admitting that I had this and then not dealing with it, which was awful. And I had, like, a psychological breakdown. Oh, yeah. Well, is, it was bad. Yeah, definitely. That's, that, I mean, w- yeah. Th- did, um, so what was the was that kind of the final trigger then when you were like okay I I have tried every literally like you said everything else it's time to do something about this and and like it, you know just tell us about that how did that go Well yeah yeah it was it was something where like I had seen like I could see my marriage like deteriorating around my eyes and I was like okay this was like the last thing. And not only is it just dying a terrible death, like I feel probably worse now than I ever have. You know, I can't keep doing this. Like I can't keep doing this to myself. It's not fair to me. It would not be fair to anybody else I ever encountered. It wasn't fair to my ex in general. Like it wasn't, you know? Um, So once that, you know, once that kind of sort of fell by the wayside and really shortly after we signed like divorce papers, um, actually right before we signed divorce papers, uh, I started all of the, like I started officially just being like, okay, I'm going to deal with this. Here's how I'm going to do it. Um, up to that point, I had been like a year and a half in with a therapist and we were working on a lot of different things as far as like self-esteem and identity work. I just came in one day and I was like, this is how I'm feeling. And she was just like, do you want to do this? And I, I just said, yeah. And that kickstarted the process from there. Well, tell us about the process then. Like what, how did, what do you go through when you, after you make that decision? Oh yeah. Um, well, like I said, I had a year and a half of therapy before we got to that point. Like we were probably, Actually, it was almost the entire way before we even talked about being trans. Like, we talked about different identity stuff. Like, she had kind of seen it in, you know, play out 
And I wasn't exactly like hiding things, but I just wasn't using like terminology. I wasn't identifying with things. I wasn't wanting to do like hormone replacement therapy. And then I got, because, you know, I did want to save my marriage. Um, I did want to try and not, <laughs> I wanted to try to get out of this pretty much as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until, you know, I had had an incident with my ex that like a really bad argument and I started sleeping on the couch and I was just like, you know what? There it is. So like I came in there, I told her, you know, I told my therapist and we talked about this Then she had to sign, you know, write up a letter so I could get, um, hormone replacement therapy at which point then I had to find a doctor that was willing to do it. Uh, and then from there you get like a, a physical to make sure you're healthy enough. And from that you get a consultation and then after the consultation and once the blood work comes in, then you can get a prescription, in which case you have to find like a pharmacy, which depending on where you're at could be either really expensive or really cheap. Like I've paid, you know, $5 for hormones in the past. I've also paid $150. Yeah, it just depends on the state that you're in and as well as like different pharmacies and stuff. Um, and then after that, you basically get checked up, checked up on like once every three months kind of for like the first year and then like once every six months afterwards. You get your blood drawn and make sure you're not like killing your liver and stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, you, kind of, you, you kind of become a science project at that point. <laughs> so like, so once you start the, 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 it's hormone treatment, right? They just start giving you pills and yeah. that's, that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. Essentially. I mean, there's a couple options you can do like a shot, but that's more expensive, but you don't have to do it as much. Like there's different. Well, when did you first start like noticing like changes in yourself and, and, and with those changes, did you notice you were feeling better? Um, yeah, I mean, I noticed emotional changes like almost right away. Like there was just a huge relieving of stress. Like it took a while for everything to calm down because I was going through like a rough, you know, breakup and like issues related to that. And I also just had things from the past that I had to take care of. Like this wasn't, you know, a magic fix. I still had a lot of work to do afterwards to become just a like more balanced human being. But what I did notice is just like, it was probably about three months in that I started thinking about the future, which is something that I had never really done because I wasn't sure if I actually had plans to be in it. Mm -hmm. So that was probably the biggest change was just like finding a will of like, Oh yeah, I am going to stick around for a while. Maybe I should start making some sort of plans and thinking with this in mind instead of just being like, well, maybe I'll be dead tomorrow. (laughs) Who knows? I'm going to move to this other city. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was also just a feeling of like, I didn't have to run anymore. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was running from all of this and running from myself and, whatever. I felt like I could finally just stop. Well, uh, of course, I mean, I continued to move afterwards, but it was financially, you know, the financial reasons and not like emotional, like I have to leave reasons. Mm -hmm. I I, I can't face this. I have to, maybe if I go to this next place, I won't have to face it. Right. 
Yeah, it kind of was like that because you could just rush at like, okay, you don't, you know, you're not established. Everything is new and it's just, it's distracting. So like, you're like, oh, I want to learn all about the North Dakota Badlands. And then you do and you're like, well, I did that. Now what? And like, well, <laughs> maybe I'll move somewhere else. Like, the Badlands didn't help. A, no. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, it's a beautiful country, but it did not calm my psychological demons down or that I was living a life that wasn't exactly what it should have been. Like, it did not, did not do anything to change that. Well, I did make some great friends, and I drank a lot, and it was fun. So, I mean, yay for that. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, uh, my next question will probably tie into your uh, what you want to. You mentioned you wanted to whine about, and that's uh, what. What is the biggest mis- misconception that um, I, I think the term is cis cis people? Uh, oh yeah, the, the term. Cis. Yeah, cis people. Uh, what do they have? Uh, what's the biggest misconception that people have about uh, trans people? Oh, yeah, um, that all of this is about the cis people. Mm -hmm. Like, I've had, you know, conversations with my mom where it's just like, oh, you're just doing this, you know, to cause me to open up or, like, to get back at me for something. And it's just like, no, no, I'm just living my life and you're making a huge deal about it. Like, I'm hurting literally no one. You know, I get physicals all the time. Like, I'm in great health. Yeah, I'm not hurting myself, I'm not hurting the people around me, um, like, by my actions, you know, I just, I'm just trying to get to a place where I feel comfortable when I look in the mirror, and I recognize myself when I do that, and, you know, can do things without living in a state of, like, constant dread, uh, like, it's not, it's not about you. Well, I d- you did mention yesterday when we were talking. You said you're you're happy, like this is the you you said yeah, you'd reached oh, yeah. sort of an equilibrium with yourself that you'd never known. And you know, you brought up that you, I mean, fifteen to thirty—that's literally half your life at that point. You waited yeah. half your life to do it, and you and you said you tried everything else. So it's like if you had tried yeah. everything else and waited that long to 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 finally take this uh, make that decision, then uh, then I mean, you know. It, it, nothing else was going to do it anyway. Right. So you see like you were, you just brought right. up like your mom was like, Oh yeah. Cause that's usually what, what a lot of people think is, is, um, is, uh, you know, Oh, it's like, it's like an ego thing or whatever. And, and I mean, you, I'll be honest. Like I, I even thought that at one point and like talking to you and talking to a couple other people, it's, it's like, I'm starting to see that that really is not the case. It really is a, a condition. And it's, and even just talking to you now, I can yeah. tell like there's, it's, I can tell from your voice, the difference from the last time I talked to you, um, and now your, your voice is just way more, there's more levity to it. Like I can tell that there's, there's been this weight that's lifted from you. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all like, here's what I usually say. I'm like, look, I don't know how all of the mechanisms work. I don't know if it's brain or environment or, you know, whatever. I know that when I do this, I feel better. And when I feel better, I make more positive decisions in my life. I take care of myself better. I feel better. If that's not enough for someone, I don't know. There will never be a point where there's a, you know, it's enough for someone. Right. And and at that point, like it's, it's like, we, there's nothing that you can do about that anyway. So it's just like, well, that's your problem at that point. You know what I mean? Like that's you yeah. saying to them, it's, it's your problem and I'm, I'm fine. So, so that's all I can do. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can't tell you how many times people in my life have diagnosed me. They were not professional psychiatrists that they're like, we, we know you think you're this, but have you thought maybe that you're autistic or whatever? Mm-hmm. And how many times a therapist, a licensed professional has been, you have two things, major depression and gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing else going on. Those are the two things. Mm-hmm. Here's some pills, like, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, pretty much. It's just like, make some changes. Also, there's these things that will help, but also, you know, work on you. Like, I do work with a therapist, and I have worked on, like, taking better care of myself and having a better diet and, you know, trying to reconnect with friends and all of these other things that, like, increase, you know, happiness and whatever. But I just, I had to do this first before like I had to do all of that other work first before I could do that like I think the best way I can highlight this when talking about it is for me once I knew as much as I was trying everything else there was no future in my head that didn't involve this happening at some point Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like I remember talking with my ex and her being like, you know, bakers and bankers and all these other professions that maybe you don't associate with masculinity, but they can all be men. And I was like, they can be. I cannot. Like, there's a difference between what a group of people can do in a situation versus what I can do in a situation. And for me, you know, doing anything like it goes back to like, this is a foundational piece that if I don't have that, like, I'm just not going to be the same person. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, you know, in a lot of cases, I'm not going to participate. Well, you, not gonna, you know. bringing up again, what you were, we were talking about yesterday on the phone, you said the, the equilibrium again, you said, I yeah. kind of like my, in, I had to work on my internal self for a while. And then once I got that balanced, then I had to, then I realized like now it's my external self that needs to be balanced. And it sounds like that what you were just talking about was the external balancing. Yeah. Yeah. It was very much where like I had a lot of internal turmoil, even if people on the outside didn't necessarily see it. And so once I started addressing that, then all of that stuff started to like sort itself out. I got to a place where I was like, okay, I know what direction I'm going to all of that. And then I had a lot of external tur- turmoil um, that I had to deal with after that. Uh, so, I mean, it's just been getting to a place where things sort of balance and I can do my best to just make a place for, for myself in the world because that's really all I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all anybody wants, really, is just to, to, to yeah. find their place. Um, I got one one more question for you, real quick, uh, and then we got to wrap up. But um, I, I was just curious. You chose uh, the name Morgan for yourself. When I met you, you were named Matt, and uh, now you're Morgan. Why Why did you pick the name Morgan? Just out of curiosity. Well, uh, I was looking at names, and I tried a few on before I went public with this one. I'm not going to go into past details. We don't have that much time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was twofold. Uh, the first fold was that. I, well, three, three, actually. The first one was that it was kind of more gender neutral. So I was like, look, I don't exactly pass a lot. So I don't want to necessarily go and like, I was worried about how people would react, which mm-hmm. is not a great reason, but it's like, well, if I name myself, you know, 
Rachel or something. And I'm like, people are going to look and be like, well, there's fucking Rachel going around. <laughs> yeah, like, whatever. And I was like, this one's a little bit more gender neutral, so people may not, like, be as derisive about it, um, especially because, like, I don't necessarily pass. Um, so, like, you, you laugh, but, like, that's a big deal. Yeah, well. Um, people's attitudes change quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and the second one was that it's German for morning, which I was like, oh. okay, if I'm going through a new thing and I'm going to pick a different name because my birth name has a lot of baggage on it. Like, you know, having a name that uh, means like morning is kind of cool. It's like yeah. a new a new day, right? So again, fresh start. Yeah. Whatever. And your your last name means freedom too, doesn't it? Was because my last name is Svoboda, which mm. in Czech translates to well, no, it translates to um, free freeman. Oh, okay, okay. So that's yeah, so it, it literally means means something Czech. then. Like it was given to people that weren't serfs. So I mean, my name would translate over to Morgan Freeman. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm gonna pick this. It's oh. gonna have like a couple of sentimental reasons, and then one really cheesy, jokey reason, and I'm gonna go with it. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I didn't even make that connection at first. I was still going on the oh, morning Freeman. You're like, oh, that's cool. And then I realized, oh, Morgan Freeman. Holy shit! Like that's that is awesome. So, uh, wow. Well, um, well, th- thanks so much for talking to me about this. This is this has been a great interview. Um, uh. And uh, hang on the line when after we go off the air here, and I'll I'll say goodbye to you uh, uh, off the air too. But um, but yeah, thanks thanks so much for coming on and uh, and talking with me. Hello, are you there? Yeah, yeah. Cutting out. Oh, I'm just saying. I was just saying my goodbye. I was just saying. uh, You can. Well, thanks for inviting me on. Yeah, it's been great to talk to you again. And um, and I I did mention if you didn't hear me, hang on to the uh, don't don't hang up quite yet. I'll I'll say uh, goodbye to you off the air as well. Did you catch that? Oh yeah, no problem. It's a blast. All right, cool, man. Well, uh, we will. Uh, we I will be off. Uh, no, I won't. I will be back next Monday. Um, I have my next guest uh, lined up, and then I am going to be off the thirtieth. That's what the date, and that's actually two weeks from Monday. So, uh, but I will be back on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend.